What's up, everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. And today on the podcast, I'm so excited to talk to Snea, who is from Flinanced on Instagram. You'll probably already know and recognize her because she has really good platforms, about to hit 20,000 followers. She's doing the damn thing. Um, and Snea is a debt-free travel and financial freedom content creator. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a pleasure to be here. Girl, I'm so hyped to talk to you. A lot of people were going to see your brand, you know, specifically about travel and, and immediately start thinking about, oh, girl, I want some travel tips and all that. But we got to rewind it back because the reality is that so many people forget that, yes, maybe at this point in my in my success, you see me this way and you want tips and tricks. But don't forget, everybody has their backstory, their journey, their struggles uh, to, you know, that they had to face to get to where they are now. Um, and so I just love opening the show with the same question every time, which is about your biggest financial regrets. And so bad to the point where like, if you could go back in time and take it back, you would just undo it, delete, backspace, go back and just do it all over again. For you, um, what would that be? So one of my biggest financial regrets is actually taking out debt that I did not need. So we mm -hmm. rewind back before I started finance, before I was working full time, yep. um, I enrolled in a one year master's program after I graduated from undergrad in 2016. And I was blessed with an opportunity to receive a full ride fellowship. So yes. I did not even have to pay my tuition to be in this master's program. And I got a little stipend. The problem was at that point in my life, I was so used to living beyond my means. I was in such a place where just the mindset of scarcity is what I use to just to move forward in life, right? I had been a broke college student for four mm -hmm. years, literally so broke. It was like, I would take Tupperware to like student events to bring food <laughs> back to my room because yes. for real, like- I did the same I thing, girl. <laughs> and I went to school in the city. So like, you know, everything was expensive. We were just like, oh my gosh, this work study is money. is not even enough to like take the subway and go somewhere, you know? Right. Right. So um, I'm in this graduate program. I'm like, okay, great. I don't have to like pay for tuition. I don't have to worry about that. Books and things are covered. But what had happened was I was so used to living beyond my means. I had found this like, what was, um, it was marketed as this like student-friendly housing situation. And it was like these beautiful, this beautiful town, townhome community. And, you know, it had all the amenities. It was close to campus. They had a free shuttle, all of these things. Oh, yeah. It was furnished, right? So in my mind, I'm just like, oh my gosh, well, there are all these things I want to think about, whatever. I didn't even do any research on any other places. It was a brand new city I'd never lived in, never visited. <laughs> was just like, oh, this is the first one. I'm going to go with this. But I couldn't afford it. So what I ended up doing and why this is my biggest financial regret is I ended up taking out student loans when I had a full ride fellowship to go to graduate school. Uh, and not only just some student loans, but I took out the full amount of financial need that I could. That was about $16,000 of student loans that I took out. Um, and at that point, I was totally debt-free. I didn't have, you know, thank God for my parents and for other scholarships that I got in undergrad. I yeah. was completely debt-free from, from even going to undergrad for four years of college. Oh, and here I am nice. taking out $16,000 of student loans and I'm on a full ride. Um, and I think from there, that is what, led me honestly down a path that ultimately by 2018, I was in a place where I was so in over my head with debt, oh, with yay. the student loan debt on the side. And mm -hmm. just because I was so used to just blowing money fast and not really thinking right. about the financial consequences, right. I found myself into even more debt. So by that time, I probably had over $20,000 in debt that I was just like quickly and quickly accumulating and, and, and didn't really have a plan for how I was going to pull right. myself out of that hole. So Absolutely. That's one of my biggest financial regrets. I am very happy to say that as of right now in 2021, I am completely debt free um, after paying off $23,000 of debt in 2020, uh, which is still, Ooh, I can't huge. believe that I did that. Um, that's amazing. Congratulations. Woof, girl. Thank you. Yes. But woo, back in 2017. Yeah, it was, I was, I was not who you see today. Honey, I feel you. You know, Cynia, I feel like what it is, though, is that when you are in an environment, it's almost like the social pressure 
takes over a certain part of your brain that doesn't allow you to do the mathematical or the logical reasoning that you normally would be. You are clearly an intelligent woman. You clearly got yourself a full ride to your graduate program with the whole fellowship, with the boom, off to New York City for college. Here you go. There is clearly some, you know, uh, ability for you to think critically, for you to make informed decisions. But in a setting where you feel like that pressure to fit in, to look the part, to live a certain place, to wear certain brands, to do whatever is so strong that you just, you are, you're pretty much blinded to any reason and you're just making these decisions specifically with that social pressure in mind. And it's kind of crazy. I agree with you. I totally think that that social pressure is what honestly powered me into debt. And I remember being in a place where I felt like I had two options. I could either ask people in my network and just start to like fundraise and just say, but I think my ego was so, to your point, (laughs) I felt so prideful that it's like, how can I go around asking people for money when all these people know I'm on a full ride fellowship, I just graduated, like I shouldn't be in this position. So instead, here I go, I suffer in silence. I take out all this debt that I really don't need and then totally blew it right I can't even tell you where that 16 grand went which is the problem right I (laughs) took myself on a spring break trip I went out to eat every week with my Mm -hmm. friends in my cohort right I Mm -hmm. you know put gas in my it was all of these things that were just making my lifestyle appear in one way and to your point it was a lifestyle that I really didn't I couldn't afford Yep. I I relate to that so much. Like it's, and oftentimes it is when you are removed from your environment, which is generally, you know, lower income, maybe lower middle income, and you're plucked off and sent to this environment where you are now like right next to people who are way out of your lane, but you don't know. But you don't know because y'all, it, it appears that you're all in the same lane because you're all in the same place, taking the same classes in the same dorm buildings, but y'all are not in the same lane. You're not even playing in the same game. Like, it's just, it's so frustrating when I hear stories like yours because it's the exact same story that I have, except I would say that you are a little luckier than me because I took out $20,000 on credit cards while I got a full scholarship to college. I was on a full ride to Brown. I was there with no tuition. They pay for my room and board. They pay for my meals. I had the swipey, swipey to the cafeteria, swipe, swipe for breakfast, lunch, dinner. But do you think I wanted that? No, I wanted Chipotle. And plus I wanted pizza and Ben and Jerry's and Starbucks. And I want to go to the mall. I want to go to the movies and go to concerts and go to parties. And all that stuff was not covered by the scholarship. So my smart behind went and said, I don't want to ask mom and dad. They don't have money. They don't have money. My family is, they, we don't have money. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to go to the bank, get a credit card. And it's going to have my name on it. And I'm going to pay for the stuff that I need. Wow. In my mind, it made sense when I was 19, 20, 21, 22, you feel me? But yeah, when you turn 25, 26, you think back like, what the hell wrong with you? Who Literally. did not? <laughs> How could you not have thought that just one step further and thought it through but you know it's a lot of things a lack of education the social pressures it's so many things so we you know so many but I feel you I feel you and and that's why I said like Oof. the weight off your shoulders must feel whew, like a, such a relief for you to have just paid off 23 grand girl oh my goodness I cannot I'm so happy for you so happy for you thank you so much girl that's a huge thing because I remember being that free I was like oh my goodness um, okay, so let, let's flip it over to the other side of this question now. Instead of a mm-hmm. financial regret, I want you to talk about the biggest financial, maybe accomplishment, like the thing that, you, or maybe not such accomplishment, but more so framing it as like, this is a financial purchase or expense, or maybe it's an experience or a service that you paid for, but you spent the money and you don't regret it. Even though a lot of other people might look at you and say like, oh, that was too much money. Oh girl, you crazy. You're tripping that. I can't believe that you put that. You allocated that money, that much money for that. But like for you, for whatever reason, it was really worth it. And you don't regret it no matter what other people might say. What that looked like for me in 2020, as I was paying down debt, one of the things that I continue to prioritize was saving for travel. Um, Mm. So, you know, even as the pandemic ensued, I was still steadfast to this idea that like travel is one of the most important things to me. It's what brings me joy of what's bringing yeah. me fulfillment. Uh, and especially living in New York city, it is, it is pretty much what keeps me sane. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to continue prioritizing this. So throughout the year of 2020, I probably saved about $10,000 to travel. 
Wow, and, that's amazing. And why, you know, I think it's so important that I'm here in this conversation here with finance is that I think when I see other creators, folks in the debt-free community, folks subscribe to thou who shall not be named and kind of like the gurus that circle this individual, there's this idea that like, oh, well, if you're in debt, all of your money, after mm. you pay your expenses, you've covered your basic survival and your needs, should be going to debt. But I do not believe in that praxis. Preach. For one, I think that that, I think that that centers and aligns with this idea that everyone can become debt-free in a short amount of time, right? right? When it takes, right? I mean, most people, one, are not even in a position to say, I'm going to aggressively pay down my debt. I'm going to be, quote unquote, gazelle intense to pay down my debt, right? And I think, especially with women of color, we end up feeling a lot of that brunt when it's like, okay, we have debt. Can yes. we pay it off? Can we, you know, will we have a headline that says we paid it off in 12 or 14 or 18 months? Maybe not, you know? Mm. I acknowledge that I have a lot of privilege to be even be able to say that I paid off my debt in 12 months. And, you know, mm -hmm. and that's a headline that I never thought that would be associated with me. Like I yep. was a chronic overspender all of my life. Like I'm still in recovery for the ways yes. that I have just been taught to just swipe first and ask questions later. So for me, mm -hmm. saving that money over the year was important to me because I didn't want to be in a position where if I was able to travel, that I would have to result to credit or figuring out where the money was going to come from. So yes. You know, when I think about my debt-free journey, I could have absolutely been out of debt even sooner than the 12 months that it took me to pay it off, which is, is incredible. And I acknowledge that that is a statement that comes with a lot of privilege, but I decided to take the full year to pay off the debt because I wanted to prioritize other things like travel, like putting money aside for emergencies, like continuing to invest in my retirement account with my employer. So for me, that 10 grand that I save for travel was very much worth it. Um, I was able to, and I did end up traveling in 2020. I, I traveled for a week in the Dominican Republic and then yes. two weeks in Mexico. Um, <sighs> Amazing. And that didn't put me into debt. It didn't derail my debt-free journey. It didn't put me into debt because I had been saving over the course of the year. Yes. And even now in 2021, it feels amazing to know that I have cash that I can rely on for other travel experiences, even as, you know, as things begin to open up um, and, you know, yes. travel rebounds, but I'm not in a position where it's like, oh my gosh, where's this money going to come from? So yep. that would, I would say is one of the things that I'm, I'm so glad that I did prioritize, even when all the advice online and all the advice <laughs> yes. that I was on Instagram was probably saying, girl, you should just dump all that extra money. You'll be done so much faster. Right, mm -hmm. You'll be done so much faster, all of this, but I don't feel yep. like that that really acknowledges that like, we still are living our lives, even yep. while we're paying off debt, working towards these big financial goals. And yes. if we're not going to do the things that bring us joy and bring us fulfillment, then are we really living? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, or you might, maybe you feel fine, but eventually it'll come back and it, it really starts to take a toll on your mental health. It might take a toll on you in so many ways. Like for me, I, I love the point that you're making because what you're saying is essentially it's called personal finance because it's about your personal values. And like, I'm the type of person where I had yes. so much debt, but I did not understand my debt. I had no idea what interest rates my credit cards were, and they were above 22%, okay, all of them, and I had no idea, right? And, like, when I finally sat down and I understood what I put myself into, that I was paying over 22% interest on four different credit cards, that I owed $20,000, that I had allowed myself to dig the hole so deep, I felt like, I didn't have a choice but to aggressively get out of the situation fast. Like, that was my personal choice. It was my personal, like, I felt that on my shoulders. Like, my parents need money. My family relies on me. Here I am just giving 22% in interest to this credit card company. That made me feel this weight on me that I felt like I had to do it. That being said... If I had more than $20,000 and I was making less than $40,000 a year, that math just don't make sense. I would have had to take more time or make more money. That's the only way. And even if I did decide to make more money, it would have not, it, it would have been so miserable for me to not even be able to enjoy anything, nothing, not even a little red bottle of wine, not even like, you know, a date night, nothing. It would have been horrible. So I think that 
to your point, it's definitely important for you to think about what are your personal values and how can you squeeze, even if it is a small amount, every month, every week, from when you're budgeting, from your, your financial planning, to say, well, just as important as it is to me to become debt-free, guess what? There's other things that are just as important, and they deserve just as much attention in your financial plan. And, like, I, I mean, I wish I, wish I had that, um, I guess, that mindset, that perspective, because at the time I was – just trying to be done. I was like, I don't want to have, I don't want to owe nobody nothing. No. Not even a, I don't, not no. a dollar. I don't want to owe nobody nothing. I was just like, at that point, you know? But I think what you're saying is so true, and especially for women of color, that point you made, I cannot even underscore it enough because black women have the highest student loan debt balance of any racial or ethnic group in the United States. And if y'all don't believe me, look it up. There was a whole uh, study conducted um, I remember it came out in like the end of 2019, early 2020, before COVID, but I'm sure the statistics still hold true. And unfortunately, it is something that we don't talk about enough, right? We all like to be like, oh, everybody's loaded with that. Yeah, yeah, but specifically when we're talking about student loan debt, it disproportionately affects black women negatively. So for you to sit here and say that your message is really so specific to the experience of a black woman, man, I hear that loud and clear. Thank you. I love that. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Growing up, you told me earlier before we jumped on to record that you're from Baltimore. So what was it like growing up there? And, you know, specifically like family life. I always like to know about like early money lessons or the way that you saw money being handled in your house. Were there, were there conversations about money? Were there lessons about money? Or was it this kind of taboo thing like most families tend to just brush it under the rug and not really talk about it? What was it like for you growing up? Yeah, so for anyone who's not familiar with uh, Baltimore City and just the makeup of the city, I grew up in a Black majority city where I would say just under 50% of the city population lives at or below the poverty line. So growing up, I was constantly surrounded by images of Black people struggling. Um, mm -hmm. You know, even when I think about the generational traumas of hearing stories of my grandmother and my parents and my great grandparents and what they had to do, even as free black people in Baltimore city to just survive is like, woo, like how does that trauma not get passed down the generations? Right. right. Um, but in my family, my mother is a superhero and absolutely, I feel like just would make money up here. Like that's how it felt <laughs> to me as a child. Like I'm so serious. She's a superhero or is she a magician? I might need some of her tricks. <laughs> I think she's had a magic hat that she would tap because as a child, I had everything that I needed, right? I never went hungry. Um, there was never a time where, you know, we didn't have electricity or lights, you know, like basic necessities. And I feel like I have to underscore that because unless you have grown up in Baltimore, I don't think you can really appreciate what that means, right? Because I do have friends and family that went hungry, that went without their bills being paid, that went without having electricity in their homes. So to not have that, to grow up in private school, to have wonderful birthday parties where we did really cool things, they would let my friends come over, we'd go on family vacations. Like that's where my love for travel even came from. It came from my mother mm. taking me places. And, you know, I, I'm in my childhood bedroom right now. So like there are all these pictures of the Eiffel Tower because I was obsessed with like just Paris architecture. And I romanticized the idea of, of Paris um, when I was a little girl and, you know, in middle school, she took me on a family vacation to France, which was amazing and incredible. Right. So these things were happening at the same time. I knew we didn't have a lot of money. Right. Because when I went, when I was in middle school, I started going to a predominantly white institution that is in a very affluent neighborhood in Baltimore. So I absolutely knew yep. we're not those people. Right. I can right. see as we are driving from my neighborhood to the neighborhood where my school is that I don't live here. Right. I don't live in a gated from a proper community, right? I live in I live in a lower middle class neighborhood, right? right? Many people in my neighborhood may own their homes, but a lot of people don't. But you know, right. so I think I always had that cognitive dissonance. But I I also just grew up with the expectation that money would come to me, like right? It was very much a this idea that like oh we'll figure it out, you know. Both my parents <laughs> yeah. worked, so it just was like oh things would happen. But watch out when I was a senior in high school and the first time filling out those FAFSA forms. It's just like, mm. this is how much we really make. This is how much we really have, you know? Yeah, I think yeah. that that was when kind of like the, the rose-colored classes were taken off. So I, I think, you know, my parents went through incredible sacrifice to give me a childhood where I didn't have to think about money. So very yeah. much so to your point in terms of, I wouldn't say it was necessarily 
taboo. I think it just, it never was a conversation because I think they did everything that they could to not make me have to ask that question of like, well, do we have enough money, right? It's so funny though, because I remember times in my life where other kids would ask me if I was rich. Like that was a question I would get. Like, are you rich? Because my mother like would just spoil me with things, would provide me with material things that like Mm -hmm. just other black families did not have, right? So Mm -hmm. like I was that girl, like when Uggs first popped on the scene that had all the Uggs and all the colors, Mm -hmm. right? But what you didn't see behind the scenes was the way my mother was working her magic to make it happen, right? Right. Um, So I think growing up with that mindset again, is definitely what influenced me to grow up with this idea that, oh, I can just spend money and I'll figure it out. Like, I'll, yes. I'll do this. I'll maneuver this money over here and over there because I think that's that's what I grew up seeing right. and then experiencing. Um, but when I got to college and, and going to an Ivy League institution, right, like what we talked about where you can clearly see that there are haves and there are have-nots and that's I am right. in the have-nots, right? I'm not talking about going to Vail and Aspen over the breaks. I'm not talking about my family vacation going halfway around the world, right? I'm hustling to get work-study jobs and working through college and figuring out internships and doing all these extra things to fill up my time when my peers are kind of just like checking in and out, right? Um, That was when I think I decided that I didn't want to struggle, like the ways that I'd seen struggle throughout my life. I didn't want to be in a position where I had to maneuver things around. I just wanted Mm. to have and be able to like have comfortably and not struggle. Um, So I think that that's what kind of started to set me on a path to say, I don't know what things look like differently, but I'm going to be open to receiving those messages. Right. So, um, and I don't think it really hit me until I was working full time and, and had a salary and started to see like, oh, now I see (laughs) how quickly your money can go when you're not thinking about very quickly right Mm. if you're not tracking it you're not keeping up with where it's coming where it's going and you know just being a young woman in her 20s living in New York City getting paid for the first time it's like yeah oh I fell hard into the traps of like oh we brunching we going off to happy hour we doing this we doing that yes 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 Yes. okay like you can quickly see how that became just like a lifestyle that I just couldn't keep up with um so I think all of those things influence, but what started to change for me was, of course, like we talked about, when you start to sit down and realize, oh my God, like I am living paycheck to paycheck. Like mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. literally all the money that I just made, I have to pay it back to credit cards because I don't want to owe them money and I don't want mm-hmm. them to come look after me. Right. I was, I was literally seeing myself living paycheck to paycheck. Like, yep. oh, this is great that I'm keeping up with all my bills, but I have literally nothing to show for it. Nothing. And at the same time, Commuting in New York City, for anyone who hasn't done it, it wears on you like nothing. Jesus, it's like, it's bad enough having to work all day. Literally getting like yourself mentally prepared for like whatever you're going to experience on your commute was like a whole other thing that I just was not prepared for. Like That is hilarious. You know what is hilarious what I'm about, talking about I know for sure, but you know what it is? You know why it's hilarious to me that you say that? Because... I've been taking the subway in New York City since I was like 10 years old by myself because I went to a, a middle school that was like two train stops away. I would take the M train from Myrtle Broadway to Knickerbocker, which is literally two train stops away. But I wanted to take the train because all my friends took the train. I wanted to take the train and they give you the free Metro card at school. So I was like, I don't want to walk 15 minutes. I want to take the train. So I would take the train. And ever since then, I would take the train to high school. I would take the train from Bushwick all the way into Times Square and then transfer so I could get the train into Midtown where my high school was, like right on Lincoln Center. And I remember just being on the train was like, I would, if I, if I had to really say, I, I, I honestly could probably say like 20% of my life was probably spent sitting on a train, standing on a train, reading on a train, doing homework on the train, sleeping on the train, waiting <laughs> for a train on a dirty platform or like after a party late at night, standing at the train with my friends waiting for the train. Like Come it on. is just so much of my life is, has been on the subway that it's just, it's so funny that you say like it wears on you. Cause for me, it gives me energy. I'll be cracking 
up on the subway looking at these crazy people. Like, I just, to me, it's like such a core part of the New York City experience. I hate when people tell me they're coming to New York City and they're hopping in a cab and a taxi. I'm like, what? No, you better get on the train. You don't, you cannot say you've been to New York City if you haven't taken the two train in the middle of rush hour through Times Square. You don't know nothing about being in New York City if you haven't been on a hot, scummy four train express from, like, if you don't know what it's like to get on at Union Square and get off at 59, you don't know what it's like so it's just it's okay. just such a core part of that you know like the nyc experience i don't know but i could see that you didn't grow up in the city so coming to the city and then working all day and then getting on that train and like seeing every morning every after work like it is a lot if you're not used to that it definitely is a lot yeah it's a lot it's a lot and i think for me i started to question if that's what i really wanted for the rest of my life to just be in this kind of space of just like the smells, girl, the smells. Constantly, like, <laughs> just dreading, like, you know, going to work and all of this. So it's so funny that I learned about fire on one of my commutes as wow. I was working full-time in, yep. in New York City. It was, like, an article. I was subscribed to the Cuts newsletter at that time. So mm -hmm. I remember one of the headlines that they used was, like, I'm 39 and I'm about to retire. And I was just like, what is this? How? I, like... <laughs> had never heard of the concept I didn't know anything about financial independence retire early I didn't know like yeah. these are completely foreign concepts to me this is not something that I ever grew up learning that was possible right I have an older sister um who is old enough older enough than me in terms of my senior that like she's almost more like an, an aunt so it's like I can look to her to kind of see like okay like yeah that's kind of like where I should be when I'm 30 where I should be when I'm 35 right right and even for her I feel like she's probably the most um who I look to as a role model in terms of like what it means to have really good finances to be a working woman to be a working mother right and even she is not someone who retired early right so when I learned about this concept and ironically enough as I'm commuting home absolutely being like god how many more years can I do this yes. um you know, it just, it lit a spark in me. It, it, it was probably a sign from the universe to say, you can either keep charting down this path of the things that you've always known, the things mm -hmm. that you've always known in terms of living beyond your means, in terms of just like, just general financial mediocrity, like most That's Americans right. are taught to live in, right? Mm -hmm. um, or now you know an alternative. And That's that alternative right. is going to require you to absolutely change everything you know about your money and how you spend your money and the things that you prioritize with your money but seeing that and seeing women talk about it was like oh this is possible seeing people yes. like shang of save my sense yeah women of color finding janice finding mm. people like you like it's like oh this is possible mm. um so i think that that's what lit the spark in me to say things can be different i am in a unique position to be learning about this in my early 20s to be someone who is probably on a trajectory to be a high earner in my 20s if I do the work now start grinding towards this now I can achieve these things like I felt yeah. that reading this article like whoa I yeah. can do this like and I never knew about this I never was someone who was on the reddit threads figuring it out right. but at a time where I was ready to receive it um so that's kind of how I feel like despite the things that I learned experience as a child how they did kind of help me in inform the lifestyle that I wanted to live and kind of yeah. learning about fire just kind of just honestly gave me kind of more of a blueprint to follow I love that so you're okay so you've officially become debt free in 2020 just 2021 beginning of 2021 and now you're on officially on your journey on the path to fire yeah yes I would definitely say that I am part of the fire movement I am uh, I guess since it's only been a month, that I've been debt free. I haven't really like sat down and thought about like, what's my fire date and all of these things. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm starting to like figure that out for myself and be able to kind of like hold up a mirror to be able to like yeah. reflect yeah. and show people like, this is what it looks like when you're figuring out if yeah. this lifestyle is for you. Right. Yeah. I feel like this is a lifestyle that's for me just based on, um, the opportunities that I have in terms of the earned income that I make from my nine to five job. It definitely puts me in a trajectory to be able to easily and comfortably save at least half of my income and still mm -hmm. be able to survive, which is a blessing. Yes, um, definitely. And, and, and I think like what we talked about before in terms of personal finance being personal, for me, similar to you, I wanted to get out of debt because I wanted to accelerate 
my fire journey. Mm. I knew that this debt is when it, when, you know, when you think about the average amount of debt that American millennial women like me are holding, I'm probably on the lower end. So if I attack this now, that means that so much of the money that I was just living on to pay off my debt can go towards actually helping me reduce the amount of years I have to work, which is like, that's just not exactly. That sounds amazing. And I'm excited to just show that like, you don't have to fit this kind of like one typecast to be mm. a part of this movement. Or even if you don't want to use the term fired, just this idea that like, there are alternatives for us as women of color who, right, historically, we're never given a chance to rest, right? Like right. our bodies were used against us, right? Our, our labor was used to create so many things that we never got any benefit from, right? Mm. But this mm. idea that there are legitimate strategies that we can use to put our money into investments that will help us retire early so that we can rest and that we can continue to do things along the way. That doesn't mean that like, oh, it has to be this like, this like sprint to the finish, but that like, we can still do things that we prioritize along the way. So definitely, definitely. You know, I, I love that because it's a couple things. It's it's one is you saying, I don't have to have my fire date. I don't have to have my details ironed out. What I'm telling you is that I have made a mental shift. What Sania is saying is that she has made a mental shift and she recognizes within herself this new mentality that she has that being financially independent is what she wants for herself. And so now every decision that you make is going to align up to that to wanting financial independence for yourself. And whether that means geo arbitrage, whether that means, which for those of you listening, you know, a lot of fire folks, they tend to move to a place where it's a lot cheaper to live because it makes sense. Instead of living somewhere like New York City or San Francisco, if you're able to work remotely and go live in like Cancun, you'd be chilling. Like, you don't, you don't have to, you, know, you, you don't have to spend like crazy amounts of money. And so it's, it's interesting that you say that because the mental shift is the thing that I picked up on first. And then second of all is the fact that you said your specific words was, I, it hit me, that article came to me at a time when I was open to receiving it, that message, that I hear so many young people, similar position to me and you, you know, millennials, 20s, 30s, they might have a, you know, 75, 85K, oh, 100K income, you hear about the fire movement and what's their reaction? Oh, please, like... That's for white guys in tech. That's Uh for like the bros, the tech bros and the finance bros. Like that's not for ordinary. But you know what? Like I have a family. Like I have this. I have that. And every excuse. And not to say that these are not legitimate systemic barriers. Because yes, absolutely. It is. There are legitimate systemic barriers. But when the first thing that you mention is a barrier instead of, oh, this creates hope then that means you're not open. You're not open to receiving the message. This is not the time for you. You are still adamant about the first thing coming out of your mouth in response to a new way of thinking is going to be a barrier. Then that means you are not ready to receive this message. You are not ready. So I think that is a combination of this mentality shift that you kind of welcomed into your life, but also you were at a time where you were in in a moment, in a very specific opportune moment where you were like, I am ready for change. And if this is the radical thing that I've been waiting on, I'm here for it. Period. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard for a lot of people to get to that, that, that place. Because if you're so, if you have so many setbacks, you know, like every time I talk to, I do a lot of teacher trainings um, through my, my nine to five. And when I talk to a lot of teachers, a lot of times they'll say like, oh yeah, fire movement, that's cute and everything. But like, I'm a teacher, you know, I make $40,000. I have two, two, three Mm -hmm. kids. You know, my, my husband works in, you know, whatever sanitation, construction, et cetera, whatever position, not luxurious lifestyle kind of people, average Americans work hard every day, you know, do their jobs. And they just can't imagine fire being realistic and accessible for them. And it's funny because I always say like, well, I couldn't either. I wouldn't have been able to either until I started to imagine a different lifestyle for myself completely, like being minimal, like I'm such a minimalist person. And it only when I became minimal did I start to see straight up stacks of cash that I was like, where was that money before? Girl, you was you're wasting it on all the trinkets filling up your apartment. And, and, okay. and, and, and like only when you actually make room, when you make room for changes in your life, 
then you can make room for like new new ideas and new moments of of like clarity but I feel like for me a lot of people that just jump to that excuse is to me that's just like a red flag about their mindset if anything and mindset is everything Oof, mindset is huge Ooh, huge okay everything it's it's literally the foundation of, of everything that you're doing every decision that you make everything around money if the mindset ain't right it doesn't matter how many budgets you create how many spreadsheets you pull up how many debt free payment plans you put together it's not going to happen because that mindset foundation is not there so i mean it to me that that's such a huge piece um okay so tell us all, i want to know about finance because i feel like Yes. It's not every day that somebody's just like, you know what? I've kind of discovered this thing for myself. And now instead of like keeping it to myself, I'm going to go onto the internet and make a whole public facing account where I'm going to just kind of tell everybody about my money, which is something I'm taught to be ashamed of. Nope. I'm going to tell everybody about it, how much debt I have, my payoff. Debt. I'm going to tell everybody everything and start sharing the things that I'm learning instead of, you know, just kind of keeping it to yourself and sharing it with your loved ones. Like, that's a big decision because most people really don't. It's taboo to talk about money. It's also taboo to kind of tell your personal money stuff to people publicly like that. So what made you decide like, okay, you know what? Finance is happening. It's going to be a public facing platform. I'm going to go, you know, to the people, share my story and also give tips and strategies specifically about traveling, whether or not you have debt and regardless of your situation it's possible. What was that? I guess impetus for that decision. I love this question so much because I feel like it's a perfect segue from what we just talked about in terms of mindset. I have had this idea of bringing what is now finance to life since 2018. I have a screenshot of text messages, right? Like the idea came to me um, probably honestly in college. I did a, I did a little okay. bit of like blogging back when Tumblr was a thing and mm -hmm. when I would study abroad or or go on trips abroad, either through like fellowships or opportunities through school, I would just like put it up on Tumblr. I think my, um, I think my, uh, what was my Tumblr name? It was something like Tales of a City Girl Abroad or something like that. That is so Tumblr. <laughs> I didn't promote it. It was kind of like something I just like shared to like my aunts and like my yeah. family knew, but it wasn't really something that I really thought like, this is a like potential career, right? I knew that I loved travel. The wonderless bug had hit me at an early age. And in college is when I really started to like see, especially going to college in the 2010s, like, wow, I could make a career around travel. I just don't know what that could look like, right? Maybe I'll be a foreign service officer. Maybe I will be like a, you know, executive who just like has a lot of accounts that she has to travel for. I didn't yeah. know what it looked like, but I knew that travel had to be a part of, of my career, a, a part of my mm -hmm. lifestyle beyond just as a hobby. Right. So, you know, like I'm working full time, like we talked about, but I'm also starting to just feel like a little unfulfilled. It's just kind of like yes. I'm just doing the monotony. I'm like going to work, clacking out. Yeah, I'm exercising, doing whatever, but it's like something is missing. Like mm. a piece of me is not getting to really feel fulfilled and kind of like all the other interests that I have. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at the same time, learning about fire, wanting to travel, I kept getting asked the same question. Like every time I would like put up a travel pic or something on my personal Instagram, somebody inevitably would be in my DMs like, how do you afford to do this? Like, how are you traveling so much on, a, on an entry level salary? <laughs> and let's be honest, I was not always doing it savvily. So it was just kind of like, oh girl, you know, just yeah, hit up these sites, whatever. But it was just like, oh wow, I guess there are things that I'm doing that I may be taking for granted that maybe right. other people need to know. So, okay, that idea is playing in my head. I love travel. I'm just blown to my money. Like, I'm just like, this is so crazy. I don't know what I'm doing. No one knows what they're doing. Oh my gosh, we should be talking about wealth building. I'm learning mm. about wealth building and being like, wait, no one is doing this. Like, none of my friends, right. none of us are doing this. Or like seeing right. people that are doing it and being like, that's so cool. I want to learn that thing right. too. Okay, so here's another idea playing in my head. Right. And it just started to kind of come together. Um, and I just started talking to everybody who would listen about it. It's just like, I, I think it. I have this idea, like maybe like a blog where we talk about like travel and money because I follow a lot of travel influencers and they never talk about money. And it blows me because I'm just like, this is beautiful, but how much does this experience cost? Cost. <laughs> and maybe you're not telling us because it's sponsored, which is fine. But, but don't you might show want to tell us things that aren't unattainable, mm -hmm. right? 
And on mm. the other hand, feeling like, okay, yes, I have debt. I follow all these, I follow amazing people. Like Carmen of Make Real Sense was one of the first women of color that I followed in personal yes. finance. Shout out to Carmen. Shout out to you, Carmen. That's my girl. That's my girl. I love Carmen. She's amazing. I love her so much. Um, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, like, I guess this is possible. But then I still felt like there were a lot of people just saying, no, if you have debt, you shouldn't be traveling. Personal finance influencers aren't saying you can travel. I feel like there's a gap here. Okay. But then fear set in. So it's like, oh my God, I have this amazing idea, but I can't do this. Like, I can't do this. Who am I to do this? Like, I, w- I would be a hypocrite to start talking about this stuff when like my money is all over the place. Like my mindset's not together. I can't keep up with my budget. I like start paying off debt and then I fall back into debt. Mm. It was such a vicious cycle where like I mm-hmm. was so paralyzed with fear. I was so paralyzed with fear, even though I was telling all my little friends, like, behind closed door, like, I had this really great idea, and it's like, I feel it, but I just, I don't believe in it yet. I don't believe in myself yeah. yet. Yeah. Um, at the end of 2018, a close friend gave me the idea for the name. We had been talking, and then a couple of days later, he texted me, and was just like, what about, like, fashion flights and finance, like, finance? And I'm just like, oh, I love it. <laughs> You know, like so, you know, it's like once you kind of get those little like hints from the universe that like we start to feel something, like I was just yes. like, okay, this is it. Like, I think I'm yeah. onto something. Throughout yeah. all of this, I was also in therapy. I was working with uh, my amazing life coach. And I, I had to work through my personal barriers to get to a mm. point where I felt confident and worthy enough to bring my story out into the world. So I'm so yes. glad that you asked the question the way that you did, because I do think people see me. And they've seen the growth that finance has had, Um, but they don't know that I had been sitting on this million dollar idea for two and a half years because I felt afraid. I felt like there were already so many people doing it. How could I even add myself into this conversation and be credible? Who am I to even talk about money? Like I'm not an expert. I just, Mm -hmm. I'm learning things like you and everyone else. Right. Um, I'm not, excellent with money so like who's gonna come to to me for advice like I am someone who's always spent more than I had so like why would I be Mm -hmm. a good person for this um but my anxiety started to get so bad because I knew that I had an idea that I was passionate about I wasn't doing enough to bring it to life so every time I would take a step I would take three steps back um and I guess I just kept doing that until probably the end of 2019 where I was just like oh my gosh, this has been my goal all year to just kind of like show up for this. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I had been working with financial advisors. So I started to feel more confident in my finances. I had hit a breakthrough with my life coaching where I really started to believe that this was a tangible idea that I could put out there. And then January 2nd of 2020 is when I just kind of started putting out my first couple of posts and just saying, you know, I'm just going to I'm not going to put so much pressure on myself that it has to be all of these things. Yes, exactly. It's, it's just something that I believe in and I know that other people do because when I talk to people in private, they love what I have to say. They love this idea that I have. I'm just going to show up and put it out there. That's and right. the rest That's is right. really history. You I know, I think that. a lot of people look at me now and think, oh my gosh, like you're incredible. You're amazing, right? But they don't know that. I suffered for years mm. in silence because I was I just was in a mindset where I felt like I wasn't I wasn't worthy of putting these ideas out there. I wasn't worthy of having this kind of platform. Um, and when I started to push past that and just be myself, be authentically me, mm. is when so many things just started to take off and and change. And then just being consistent is what yep. has really just kind of taken taken me and finance to that next level. I love that. And it's so much of what you just said that is so interesting because I think you were at a point where you probably just didn't realize that your unique perspective and your like your specific experience being you and doing the things that you did the way you did them is exactly what made you uniquely qualified to start this platform. Because you're, exactly. it's funny, you're like, like, you're like, well, I don't know nothing about money. I'm not a money expert. Did you not make every decision that you made with your money yourself? So you are an expert of your own money, huh? So you do have expertise to talk about your money. And that's all you have to talk about. That's the thing. Like, 
for me, when I started posting on YouTube, which was way back, I started in 2015 with literally just posting some credit videos, posting some about, you know, and people are like, oh, you think you're a credit expert? No, I don't. But all I do know is that I took my credit score from a measly 550 up to an 800 in a year and a half and paid off $20,000 of credit card debt on a $45,000 teacher salary. That's what I do know. And so it's if you stick to what you do know, the expertise, the strategies you use, the tips you have, what you've done, that rawness, that realness, that relatability, of course you are not going to make perfect money decisions. Who does? Even financial experts out here making hot mess financial decisions. So at the end of the day, your humanity is what people can connect to. And being the fact that you have this specific experience that is interesting to people and insightful to people, that is what matters. So like, it's just so funny how we get so scared. Okay. The whole time you were talking about your idea being something that scared you, I could not help. Um, but think of this book. This is totally random. This is not a money book. This is literally just for my people who have nieces and nephews and babies and neighbors and little baby cousins. If you have a child in your life, anything like kindergarten or up there, and this is even adults, you would love this. There's a book called what to do or what do you do with an idea? And I remember I read it to my third graders um, as a read aloud, and I've never forgotten that book. And as you were talking, I had to look it up because I'm like, this is the, she's talking about the book. It was just a story of a little kid, and he has this idea. An idea is like in the world, it exists, and it's like hovering over him. But as the child like gets more confident, the idea gets more confident. And like one day, you don't really know what happened, but just something amazing happens. And it's just like, you realize that the confidence from the boy transferred to the idea and the idea became this thing. And it's just like, because yes. that it's so funny because the, when you said like you you had the idea, but your fear didn't allow you to take action. So you're just trying to move on with your life, but the anxiety wouldn't let you. Why? Well, because the oh, idea is there, there and it's not going to go nowhere. It's up on you, girl, like a great cloud. It's not, it's not going anywhere. And until you face it and do something with it, and that's, it's so, it's such a great um, lesson for people that you might have this little thing itching, burning, just telling you, listen, there's something here. I don't know what, but all you got to know, you might not know much about the idea, but what you do have to know is that you just, you cannot ignore it. Because you can try, but I'm going to tell you, you just can't. You can't ignore it. Oof, okay, you can't ignore it. You cannot ignore it. Mm -mm. You can try. Try to ignore it, but you're going to be messaging me, DMing me, like, girl, you were right. I can't ignore it. I told you. I told you. You can't exactly ignore it. it. That's exactly it. And I'm so glad that I'm so glad that I was able, even though those two and a half years felt like a very long time for me, Looking back, I guess, wow, it does feel like the time flew by. I'm so glad that I was able to face it and bring this idea to life because mm -hmm. I'm blown away when yeah. when I see people and hear from people, even people that like I I know, like I know well, like coworkers and friends and family who are just like, oh my gosh, since you've been talking about this, I paid off all my credit card debt because like because I saw you and you inspired me exactly that inspiration. And it's like, I, I feel like I'm just getting started. I do not feel like I am, you know, I, I feel like the best is yet to come people. Yes, so, honey. Yes, like, honey. Incredible to see how my messages resonate with people, how this idea has just totally blossomed into something so much bigger than I, that I even, you know, I ever imagined, right? I had an idea about a blog and now here I am teaching people, getting to mm -hmm. talk to amazing women like you who I would have never met, right? If this idea had just right. kind of stayed in my head and I kept mm -hmm. it to myself, it's just mm -hmm. like, right on, you know, I think, I think this is a Will Smith quote, but don't quote me on it. But I think the <laughs> quote is on the other side of your fears are the best things in life. And I truly, mm. truly believe that. I love that. I love that so, so much. Oh my goodness. Honestly, girl, I could just talk to you forever. We could just keep going. Like, honestly, I'm about to just go get a plate. I'm going to go make a plate, get some wine and come right back. Cause we could just keep going. <laughs> this is so great. No, thank I you so it. much. No, thank you, girl. This authenticity. It's like, I mean, for me, I can feel it through the screen. I'm looking at you on zoom. If you're watching on YouTube, you can probably feel it through the screen. But also if you're listening, it's just this, there's certain people where you can just tell like that rawness and that authenticity. It just, it reeks like that. You can't, 
you know, not notice it. And that's, I just feel that from you. It's just like, you clearly been through it. And now instead of just keeping it to yourself, like, well, why would I do that? I have this brilliant message and I just want every woman to get it. I want every person who wants to try, like it just, it, I, it resonates with me because I remember feeling like I had discovered something and I wanted everybody to know. And why didn't I know before? If I didn't know before, probably so many other people don't know. And so why, you know, why not act on it and show so many other people that there is a different way? Does maybe not necessarily better for us. some people might not be better, but it, it's just different. It's a different way to a think. Different and way. Stretching your brain is never a bad thing, ever. Absolutely. What is life now like? Like you're still nine to five. Do you do remote work? Do you just like work during the day and then as soon as five p.m. you clock out and just go straight to do flying and stuff? Like what is your day to day now in a post slash middle of COVID world? Finding balance. Um, so I work a nine-to-five job that is pretty demanding. Um, I don't talk about it too much on finance because it is very close to the work that I do on finance. So then again, my name is pretty Googleable, so you can easily see what I do. Like it's not really a secret, right? Yeah. Um, I'm the only Samia spelled the way that my name is spelled (laughs) that you'll find on the internet. Um, (laughs) But it really looks like finding balance, finding balance between Uh, working my nine to five and really being intentional with the time that I probably would otherwise spend goofing off mindlessly, you know, consuming Netflix or binge watching things and putting that into my ideas, um, connecting with people and really digging deep and figuring out for my business, how do I continue to take finance to the next level? Um, It also looks like in 2021, I told myself, um, that I was not going to continue to allow myself to live in a box, right? Even though I had started finance, which was a huge personal milestone for me, traveling, slow travel was something that I had been wanting to do. And I had, I had put in my head that I needed to keep working for a couple more years to do it. But with work being remote and there being no, really mm. no end date for when, when uh, my employer will return us to the office, same, I made the decision that I was going to, relocate abroad. So it's kind of going to be a mini experiment in geo arbitrage to really see, okay, by not living in a high cost of living city, how much can I really save by living abroad and still being able to do something that brings me a lot of fulfillment. And I'm very privileged to be able to travel during a crisis like this. Um, But I want to show people what that looks like. I want to show people what it looks like to totally go out on a leap of faith and say, this is something I've always wanted to do. I'm very curious about what lies for me on the other side, especially as someone who creates content around travel and personal finance, and especially to show other black women, other young women of color, like, if that's something that you want to do, like, why not do it? We have all been given a gift to be, to have survived 2020, one of the Mm. craziest years, right, that I think any of us have ever lived through. Right. And I think that we owe it to ourselves to go after the things that that maybe we're too scared to do or that we've yeah. always thought about doing. And I think for me, I've always thought about living outside of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of my plan for 2021 is 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 doing that. I I'm going to be abroad. So. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited just to kind of be living in a space where um, I'm open to more flexibility, not kind of mm-hmm. I am a planner. So just giving myself room to say. Oh, we're just going to figure it out. And like, it's okay. And like, I'm just gonna, you know, play around with things and just enjoy myself, enjoy life. Um, but absolutely it looks like finding balance between all these ideas, all these mini hats that I wear. Um, but again, continue to show up for finance and, and I feel like I always will because now that, now that I have unlocked and unleashed this beast, it's, it's like, part of you, girl. It's part, it's of, a part you. of me. That's and right. I, you know, even from this conversation, I think you have things that like I want to just kind of put out there in terms of like I just conversations. It's just like yes, who says it. you aren't part of the fire movement just because you haven't figured out all of these random, you know, things like that's a barrier that keeps people exactly part of this community, right? Who says that you can't pick up your life and live somewhere else? Like, hello, mm-hmm. if we're not going to do it when all of us are given this gift of remote work, then we probably never will. To me, it sounds like it's just another iteration of you leaning into that fear. And and I I mean, that's, now is the time to do it because more 2020 taught me. Yeah. 2020 taught me that like, wow, there actually is a reward in leaning into this fear. And it's Mm -hmm. like, okay. I I felt like starting finance, showing up consistently on social media 
and online was like that first hurdle that I had to cross. And now it's just like, oh, well now, now it's like curiosity. It's like, what is on the other side of this? Yep. And that's so true. Once you pass that first hurdle, it's like, oh, now that I know that I can jump hurdles, I, I'm going to keep jumping more because, you know, that first one is that first big fear. If you never lean into it, that fear is always going to be unknown. It's, you're never going to understand what it means to actually go into the fear, to face the fear because you've never done it. And it, the fact that you're continuing to keep it unknown to you is always going to let it have power over you. But once you jump in there, you're like, okay, you know what? Now I know what it's like. There's nothing unknown anymore. Like, of course, new fears will arise and new goals that you set. Of course, you don't know what it's going to feel like, but you know what it fa- what it feels like to face the fear. And so that that thing is not unknown anymore. It's cleared up in your mind that feeling, what it takes, the grit, and the fact that you're resilient enough to do it is enough to drive you to keep to keep doing it. Girl, I think the hardest part is over. <laughs> the hardest part is over, girl. It's only up, only up, only up. It's only up from here, yeah. I love it, love it. All right, girl, well, my last question that I love to end the show with is for people to be able to think about, like, what is this message around money that we want everybody to always carry with them, right? Like, when you're transacting, when you're about to buy something, when you are, you know, uh, you know, purchasing something, if you could remind yourself of this money mantra or this money message and always carry it with you as it relates to you making transactions with your money and spending your money and using your money, what is the message that you think everybody needs to carry with them about money? So my money mantra is influenced by my life coach, life coach Petra. You can follow her on Instagram. I let my own fears and just like my own narratives keep me from doing all the things that we've talked about that I've been able to achieve in a short time. So the money mantra that I would say is how bad do you want it? It's a twofold mantra because on one hand, it's literally the question that we should be all asking ourselves before we spend, is this a need or a want? Mm. And if it is, if it is a want, then like being okay and rationalizing that like, this is something that I want now and I deserve and I'm making space and being intentional about spending towards it, right? Yes. Or deciding, eh, maybe this is not something that I need. And I feel like this is so important for me as someone who is a recovering overspender that never asked myself that question, that just spent before I even, yep. you know, logically thought through, right? I, I went and got yep. that fancy apartment in grad school instead of thinking through logically, can I afford this, right? Um, and then I think the the other fold of, why I think this is a great money mantra is that I think with anything in life that we um, that we want, I think that's a question that we'll have to ask ourselves, whether it is that promotion, putting ourselves out there to date, losing weight, starting a new business, mm-hmm. putting those ideas that we have in the back of our mind into real life. It comes down to how bad do you want it? You can yes. talk about things all you want, but until you do, until you put action behind it, it's it's nothing but a dream and, and mm-hmm. the world needs more of our ideas out there. Right. I think yes. that is what finance has taught me is that for all those, if I had just had like a peek into the future to see like what my idea truly was worth to so many other people, I think that that would have given me so much more confidence yes. earlier on to say, I absolutely deserve to put this out here. And so many <laughs> people can be touched by my message. Um, so how bad do you want it is my money mantra. I think, yeah, I think I think the the US Treasury should start printing them on bills. How much do you really want it because at this at a certain point your wants start to feel like needs. And if you have a want that feels like a need, that is a sign. There's a lot of other wants that you just kind of want but you don't really you know you don't really need it. And then there's this want that you know it's a want but you feel like you need it. Then that's the one. All the other ones they don't matter, but the ones that you feel like you need, lean into that and think about, okay, this must be a key priority for me. And all those other little wants that I really don't want badly enough, I don't want them that bad, they can all fall to the wayside so I can emphasize this want that I really, really want. And that's how you start to prioritize in your budgeting and in your financial planning in general. Girl, you just took me to church. I, I internalized that one right there. Amen, <laughs> I say, and we claim it. And we claim it. (laughs) All right, girl. Well, last things, last things to wrap up. Everybody who wants to just reach out to you to let you know you inspired them with your story, with your authenticity, with your wisdom. Just, you know, is it okay for them to just hit you up on Instagram? Should they just go to Instagram and DM you? If so, like, let them know what's the best way to reach out to you and get in touch with you. Yes, please connect with me. I would love 
to connect with you, you can check me on Instagram at why.nance. Don't forget the dot in the middle. I messed up y'all, but it's okay. I'm gonna get to a point where Instagram is gonna fix that for me. But uh, <laughs> that's right, girl. That's right. Um, it's under is under construction right now, but I can't wait to show that to you all. Um, and really that be a place where you can continue to learn more about me and all of the amazing things that I have coming, coming down the pipe. But for now, DM me, send me an email to contact at flyman's.com. Um, and let's connect and, and just be more mindful with our money. Yes. Yes. I love it. Thank you so much. Sunia, this was amazing. I'm so glad I got to know you better. Thanks to Janice for introducing us. And thank you for making time for the show today. This was amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was what my spirit needed. And I'm so grateful again to being your guest chair and just so appreciative of the work that you're doing to help all of us overcome our money narratives, our fears around money, um, and to show other women of color that like we are here and it's possible. Look at us to know that it's possible. That's right. I couldn't have said it better myself. All right. Well, thanks, love. Have an amazing, amazing rest of your week. Thank you. You too.